Good afternoon, evening, or morning. This is your old Uncle Mosh with Raiders Fan Radio, and you are in for a treat. Sit back and get ready to listen to one of the most insanely knowledgeable people you will ever meet talk about our beloved Raiders. Another episode coming your way of Silver and Black Flashback by Rich Schmelter, the author of the Raiders Encyclopedia. As always, thank you so much, Uncle Mosh, for your kind words. And to my man Murph, thank you so much for the great opportunity you give me to be a part of Raiders Fan Radio, as well as being part of a network that helps out so many through the One Nation Foundation that benefits Raiders-related charities. And to all my silver and black brothers and sisters listening around the world, I am so proud to bring you stories of the people and moments that helped make our Raiders history so glorious. All right, Raider Nation, let's get going on our time together on this, part two of the Al Davis story. We left off with our Raiders in shambles after their first three seasons and on the verge of moving to another city or possibly folding. Between the American Football League's winter meetings in San Diego, Oakland's owners, Wayne Valley and Ed McGaw, began looking for any soul alive that could revive the Raiders from the clutches of the Grim Reaper. At the time, only the Raiders and the National Football League's Cleveland Browns were seeking new head coaches. With so many looking for an opportunity to elevate themselves within the coaching profession, and only two teams looking for a new head coach, Oakland did not have to worry about competing with any of the other American Football League teams. For this reason, Valley and McGaw were able to be extremely selective in their quest for the right man to perform a miracle with the awful franchise. I have to tell you, Raider Nation, that troubles me when I talk about our Raiders being awful. But unfortunately, at the time between 1960 and 1962, they were awful, but not for long. One man stood out above all others in the minds of the powers that be within the Oakland organization. The individual they wanted was San Diego's 33-year-old offensive coach, Al Davis, whose incredible football mind earned him a reputation as one of the best in the sport. Helping in the process was Kansas City's head coach, Hank Stram. The future Hall of Fame coach was just coming off an AFL championship with the Dallas Texans, who relocated to Kansas City in 1963, and he gave Davis high praise to Valley and McGaw. He knew of the talent Davis possessed while facing Stram's Texans for three seasons and could not think of anyone better to fill the job in Oakland. Even though the Chiefs and Raiders became hated rivals in the 1960s and beyond, Stram always had the highest regards for Davis and even wrote forwards for books about the Raiders in the 1980s. The Raiders then contacted Al Davis, who was the only candidate for the job, and after a six-hour interview, the position was his. Armed with a three-year contract starting on January 15, 1963, Davis immediately went to work to make the Raiders at first respectable and then consistent winners. With an incredible supply of physical and mental stamina, Davis began by reorganizing the front office and finding players to fit his coaching philosophies. He did not want any distractions, so he rented a place without windows to serve as the new headquarters and he even banned clocks from being hung on the walls in the office. For time of day did not matter to the new headmaster of the Raiders, and if he had to work 24 hours a day to develop a winner, then that is what he would have done. 
He brought in new assistant coaches, just as eager and passionate as he was, and changed the team colors from black and gold to silver and black. The colors selected were to represent a new beginning and emulate the powerful army teams of the 1940s known as the Black Knights of the Hudson and the silver of the Detroit Lions, who were one of the most dominant football teams during the 1950s. He wanted the men who put on those uniforms to be proud that they were Raiders and wanted the rest of the league to fear them and want to be one of them. Al Davis was not only going to have to be a good coach, but a fine salesman as well. He was a very intelligent and aggressive young man and used the English language in a tranquil but convincing voice to sell his ideas to not only recruits but to the public as well. He instilled a commitment to excellence which became the team's everlasting motto and also coined the phrase pride and poise that meant having a belief in what you are doing and doing it with absolute control and confidence. With those phrases serving as a calling card, Davis set out to mold and shape a team based on those philosophies. With his love of the wide open attack providing the core of Oakland's new offensive scheme, Davis set out to acquire the players needed to make the vertical game succeed. Taking the concept he learned from Sid Gilman while with the Chargers, Davis wanted to have five receivers going out into the secondary to stretch the defense out and a strong-armed quarterback that could throw deep to any of them. The wide receivers needed blazing speed. Tight ends had to have the ability to catch. Running backs had to be capable of going deep for passes. And massive offensive linemen who had to possess quickness and strength to overpower the assault on a quarterback. All these pieces would allow the Raiders to attack on any down from anywhere on the field. An old adage in football was to take what the defense gives you, but Al Davis refused to comply with it. His attitude was to take what you wanted whenever you wanted it and strike fear into a defense, knowing that the Raiders were coming fast and they were coming hard on every play. Damn, Raider Nation, that really got me excited. I sure as hell hope it did for you too. On the other side of the ball... Davis wanted a defensive scheme that totally dominated an opponent into submission, leaving them battered and desperately wanting to get the hell off the field. The Raiders were not going to win every game, but they wanted to win enough games to compete for championships and let opponents know that they were in a slugfest each and every time they played the Raiders. Attack and fear were added to commitment to excellence and pride and poise to serve as calling cards for the Raiders from 1963 and beyond. When the final roster was set for Davis's first team in 1963, there were 19 new players from the previous season. From this time on, the Raiders became a team willing to give an opportunity to players who were regarded as outcasts or problems with other teams. Al Davis did not care about a man standing on the social register only his ability to perform on the field. He looked well beyond the problems players faced with other organizations. And with a renewed sense of worth, these men played like hell for him. He treated them like men and allowed each of them the freedom of expression that was frowned upon by other teams. In the years that followed, the Raiders' knack of picking up misfits and malcontents earned them a bad boy reputation, but the response was always the same. To hell with the rest of the league became the attitude, and soon the Raiders were feared, hated, respected, and envied. They would also become champions multiple times, and their winning percentage over the 40-year period from 1963 to 2003 
ranks them among the elite of any organization in the world of professional sports. The 1963 Raiders quickly shocked the football community by finishing with a 10-4 record and just missing out on a Western Division title by one game to Davis's former team, the San Diego Chargers. The nine-game improvement was one of the greatest single-season turnarounds in professional football history and earned Al Davis the 1963 American Football League Coach of the Year Award. The Raiders' success on the field also helped the franchise draw interest from the people of Oakland and the surrounding area. Before too long, the once stagnant organization had people clamoring to obtain tickets, and the love affair with the silver and black was off and running. Davis remained Oakland's head coach until the end of the 1965 season, compiling a 23-16-3 record. With the struggle going strong to compete with the National Football League, Al Davis was asked by his fellow American Football League owners to assume the role of commissioner after Joe Foss resigned the post early in 1966. The American Football League owners admired Al Davis' skills at how he saved the Raiders from despair and felt that he could do the same to the AFL. At first, Al Davis wanted to remain as head coach of the Raiders, but eventually took the job as AFL commissioner on April 8, 1966. After moving to league headquarters in New York City, Davis began a relentless assault on the established National Football League by increasing the pursuit of their top players, the most famous being quarterbacks Roman Gabriel and John Brody. It seemed to him that the NFL was on the ropes, and he looked to deliver the knockout blow any way he could. Unknown to Davis was the fact that the NFL was secretly meeting with AFL owners even before Davis became commissioner in an attempt to iron out differences and merge into one league. So all the while that Davis was looking for ways to attack the National Football League into submission, his fellow AFL comrades were engaged in skullduggery with the enemy without Davis's knowledge. On June 8, 1966, a merger was agreed on between the two leagues to take effect in 1970 with NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle in charge. The sneaking around behind his back left Davis with a great deal of animosity toward his fellow AFL owners. Here he was, attempting to add more prominence to the league and possibly overthrow the same group that laughed at the AFL just seven years earlier, and a merger was being planned without him even knowing about it. Davis was a street-smart individual mixed with high intelligence. The combination was a deadly one for the person scorned, and Davis never forgot what transpired. It was even claimed that Oakland's owner, Wayne Valley, felt that Davis was nothing more than a figurehead as commissioner, and that Valley and the rest of the owners would work out a deal without his input. So instead of remaining a lame duck commissioner until the merger took place four years into the future, Davis resigned the position on July 25, 1966, to pursue other options within the football world. All right, my silver and black faithful, this is where we will end part two of Al Davis's incredible story. Please return for the conclusion on the next episode of Silver and Black Flashback. At this point of the show, I want to give out some respect to Coach Jay, who taught me the proper way to carry a football. But Jay, if you don't fumble and gain yards in the process, does it really matter how the ball was transferred? CJ, I promised I would give you airtime, and also keep on wearing that awesome Raiders shirt from time to time. And to Danielle, hope you had a chance to watch that all-time drive-in classic from 1976, The Pom-Pom Girls. And Bruce, 
Keep the California dreaming with your movie star wife, Janine, alive, my man. Matt and Bamba, you guys are always awesome. And Jim P. and Josh H., well, what can I say about this comedy duo except thanks for always making me laugh? See, I can say nice things about you two without making comments about those rocking superhero t-shirts you wear. Hey, you know what? Guess I can't because those shirts are just way too awesome not to mention. And to Jeff P. and Cody, the creative geniuses behind turning my writing projects into masterpieces, thank you both for your time and talent. And finally for this episode, to Forrest and Debbie H., I know you are both listening out there, and thank you both for the kind words about the show. I knew I would make Raider fans out of you both. Now, with the respect out of the way for this episode, it looks like there is only one thing left to do. So until the next time we get back together once again, I will close out this show with the words I embrace each and every day. So come on, my Raider faithful. Say it with me. Love you, Raider Nation.